1: Hello, I'm Erin Burnett, and thank you for joining me for CNN's special live coverage of the inauguration of Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. He is now the 46th president of the United States. And today's transition of power will hold a special place in American history for many reasons. Biden is the oldest president to take the oath of office for a first term. And another major achievement, Kamala Harris, now the first woman, the first black and Asian person to ever be sworn in as Vice President of the United States. I want to go to Kate Bennett, uh, who has been watching them all come by, get out of those uh, motorcades, uh, and then, of course, walk into the White House. So, Kate, you know, obviously, this is always a transition that requires a lot, right? I mean, in terms of one uh, family leaving the White House and another coming in. And, of course, it has been incredibly fraught. Uh, this year, given uh, the behavior of the former president. So tell me what happened uh, behind the scenes physically uh, to move from the Trump family to the Biden family.
2: Right, Aaron, I mean, what a day it's been. We started early this morning, of course, with the Trumps leaving in that very unorthodox way, uh, taking off from Marine One on the South Lawn, uh, skipping inauguration altogether, bypassing the uh, inviting of the new incoming president and first lady into the White House just shunning them, really. It was an absolute snub. And so we started there this morning with that moment. And now we've come full circle to see the transfer of power. I mean, as one president flew away, the incoming president literally drove right up 15th Street, turned on Pennsylvania Avenue. We weren't sure if President Biden was going to get out of the car, because as you know, security has been so different this year. This is a city that two weeks ago was really uh, in turmoil and is still in massive lockdown. So we weren't sure, but we saw the beast his presidential limousine stop. We saw the Biden grandkids and children, uh, Hunter and his sister Ashley and the grandchildren get out and walk towards the beast, and we thought, okay, I think he's gonna get out of the car. And sure enough, President Biden and First Lady Jill Biden did get out. They did do the ceremonial walk, and it was nice to see some normalcy. As looking around here as we've been here all day, there's certainly not the throngs of crowds. <clears throat> They're not the people that we typically see uh, at inaugural events but there still was some pomp and circumstance. We had marching bands. We had a lot of law enforcement. Uh, We sort of felt like there was a moment that democracy continued in a normal way, so to speak, in this very strange past year. But I will say, you know, The Trump's leaving and landing in Palm Beach. uh, A lot of people felt a a real lift here in Washington and having a new president come in and now get settled in the House where all of his things have been unpacked. The fridge has been stocked with their favorite foods. Uh, Their closets have been filled with their clothes. They will spend the night there after a thorough deep clean worthy of a pandemic. Uh, This Mm -hmm. is now their home and, and the cycle starts all over again.
1: So, um, obviously, Kate is, uh, is with us. I want to just note that the Senate has gaveled in, uh, because there is so much work to be done. You've got to have all these nominees approved. So literally, as all the pomp and circumstances going on, you had that work being done there. Our chief correspondent, Manu Raju joins me now. So Manu, tell me exactly what's happening. What business will be, uh, you know, conducted, finalized today?
3: Well, the big first thing that's going to happen is that Democrats will formally take the Senate majority because three new Democratic senators, the senator who's replacing Kamala Harris from California, the two new Georgia senators who won their January 5th runoffs, those Democrats all will be sworn in this afternoon. Kamala Harris will swear in the senators as her role as the president of the Senate, one of her first official acts as the vice president of the United States. And at that point, Senator Chuck Schumer of New York, the Democrat, will be the majority leader of the Senate. He will have the power to set the Democrats agenda to determine what bills come to the floor, what nominations can be agree- can come to the floor for a vote but it's a 50-50 Senate with Kamala Harris breaking the tie. They're going to need significant support from Republicans to move forward. And one big thing that they still need to resolve is how quickly to form Joe Biden's cabinet. And one issue is holding things up about moving forward on the cabinet. One big issue, they need to reach an agreement on a power sharing deal about how the 50-50 Senate would actually work. And absent an agreement, according to Democratic and Republican senators, the committee process will essentially be stalled. So what does that mean? means moving forward on these wow. nominations to key cabinet posts could be derailed for some time until Schumer and McConnell can reach an agreement to fill some of these posts. So, Aaron, there's still a lot of questions about how quickly some of these nominees can be confirmed, but there's expectation Avril Haines to be the director of national intelligence and Janet Yellen to be treasury secretary could be first on the list, but probably not tonight. We'll see if they do get an agreement for a quick vote tonight, and that will be mm-hmm. a break from the past. where. The, the President Biden's predecessors, Donald Trump, Barack Obama, Bill Clinton, George W. Bush, all got nominees confirmed on day one. That is not going to happen here. Or it certainly does not look <laughs> like it. And it could be stalled for the foreseeable future as Schumer and McConnell try to figure out how to work in this 50-50 Senate,
1: Aaron. Yeah, which, of course, um, you know, that's the practical side of, you know, the beautiful words we heard about unity today, right? This is, can they actually do that? in a practical and meaningful way. David Gregory is with me. And David, I just wanted to ask you about something. I saw a moment ago, Um, you know, we saw, of course, um, the third uh, most powerful Democrat in the House, uh, Jim Clyburn, was there. And he said that he had a conversation uh, with uh, George W. Bush, who was also there today, but that they had had a conversation. And um, George W. Bush tells uh, Jim Clyburn, you are a savior. And he says specifically because of his role in getting Uh, Joe Biden through South Carolina and winning the nomination. And Bush tells Clyburn, according to Clyburn, you are the only one who could have defeated the incumbent president. I thought, David, it was a significant conversation to have happened between uh, Mr. Clyburn and Mr. Bush.
4: Yeah, boy, I mean, that's an amazing detail, an amazing conversation. You know, President Bush, when he left office, was determined to be out of the spotlight. I frankly have been surprised, having covered him for eight years, that he kept as mum as he did, uh, knowing that Trump represented and was, was outright hostile toward his presidency, his legacy, and his version of the Republican Party, and of course critical of his foreign policy as well. Uh, but, you know, I think about President Bush, George W. Bush, as saying that family values don't end at the Rio Grande River. He was uh, the Republican who fought the orthodoxy and was ultimately overcome by a change in the, the, among conservatives about immigration. He wanted immigration reform uh, yep. of the style that Biden will now pursue as president. Um, so he rejected so much of what Trump stood for. And I think it's quite interesting that he would then turn to Clyburn and say, look, um, you, you had the power uh, to set Biden on a course to unite the country to defeat Trump after one term. Um, quite a validation and an indication. Uh, that President Bush uh, represents a lot of other Republicans, too, who felt that Trump was so dangerous uh, and, and uh-huh. really such a, uh, a rogue element within the party.
1: Yes, and, Ana, though, very important, uh, George W. Bush's presence there today. Uh, you know, I, watching it, I think we all felt it again and again, right, at Arlington uh, National Cemetery, right, with the, with the prior Democratic presidents and George W. Bush and Laura Bush also being there uh, together. Anna, can you hear me? Sorry.
4: Yeah. Uh, the, uh, oh, I thought you were talking to, to Anna. Yeah.
5: So, are you asking me? The, yes. Uh, yes. Well, l- listen, I thought it was a. I thought it was incredibly symbolic, uh, because there's things that should not be partisan. That should be about democracy. That should be about the institution. That uh, should be about respect for a peaceful transfer of power. And I thought that George uh, W. Bush's presence there and Mike Pence's presence there as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Gave that, you know what? Yeah. What we lacked because Donald Trump was incapable of showing the maturity of sitting there, and that was fine. That's fine, you know. Uh, if if he couldn't do it, it was better off for him not to do it. But certainly, George W. Bush being there, and uh, and Mike Pence being there, uh, meant uh, I think an enormous amount.
1: It, it certainly did. And Scott Jennings, as as we here are speaking, uh, we're we're getting ready for. Uh, all of these executive orders that are going to happen, swearing in of the new senators and the switching of the balance of power, as Manu just referred to, and also, uh, you know, the formal swearing in of the people who are going to run the White House and communicate with the country, right? The press team, uh, the chief of staff, Uh, all of this is happening right now. You have been a part of a transition like this in the White House, in these moments right now, when they come out of the parade, uh, before they come out uh, for those formal executive orders, and then the evening's uh, events. What's happening right now
6: Well, there is a, uh, a pretty special moment for the White House staff. Uh, you actually put your hand up and you take a, an oath of office as well. You get sworn in, uh, and uh, it's a reminder to you uh, about exactly why you're there, and that's to serve the public and to uphold the Constitution. So. That's really a a special time. Up on Capitol Hill in the Senate, of course, uh, we are seeing a a pretty momentous thing. A balance of power is changing from Republican to Democrat, although they haven't worked out a power-sharing agreement with. uh, What's happening up on Capitol Hill is is a pretty monumental uh, item as it relates to Joe Biden's own agenda. So uh, there's a lot of stuff going on right now, and it will change uh, the equilibrium slightly in Washington, D.C., and what remains to be seen is uh, how the two parties are going to work together Uh, to uh, move the ball on certain issues. My advice to both parties would be find a way to work together on coronavirus vaccine distribution uh, uh, first, uh, because that's the only way we're going to get the economy reopened and get kids back in schools and so on and so forth. That's not a partisan issue. That's an American issue, and everybody working on that deserves our support and loyalty.
1: David, how significant, though, is what Manu was just referring to, right, which is that, you know, he's saying on an ordinary transition of power, which this is anything but. But when I'm talking about just purely from a legislative point of view, you start getting all these nominees approved today, right? New president comes in and that afternoon you have a whole bunch of approvals. Manu's saying that's not happening this time because you have to have a power sharing agreement worked out because of this 50-50 split. So how significant is that, that there's a delay, that we're awaiting that still, David?
4: Well, it's, it's indicative of uh, this new chapter in Washington. You know, this is a, uh, a closely divided government. That's what the American people decided on. Uh, so the president wins a resounding victory, but Congress is more divided. Mm -hmm. And the president Biden, who has the experience in this is going to, going to have to deal with this now. And he's further hamstrung by the fact that the transition wasn't a full transition. And what makes this all the more difficult, unlike what president Bush dealt with, for example, he comes into office, he has an agenda, he pursues his agenda, kind of one thing after another, president Mm -hmm. Obama came into office facing an immediate crisis that he had to uh, deal with and respond to, and his agenda kind of got put on hold and he had to be in that responsive mode. And that's where President Biden is. Uh, So he's got the very fractious politics to deal with at the moment, but he's got to get up and running to get, as as Scott was saying, everything is about the pandemic response uh, initially, uh, but the politics are still standing in the way. And that's a reality that, that he knew going in.
1: So, Manu, I want to go back to you right now because I understand there's a letter here. The 17 House Republicans have sent Biden. Obviously, 17 is the magic number uh, that Democrats would need from Republicans for for the full impeachment trial. Uh, But tell me about this letter.
3: Yeah, those are the House Republican freshmen who are indicating that they are willing to work with Joe Biden. They're calling for unity. Some of those mm. freshmen were involved with that effort to try to overturn the elections. And, of course, they failed in doing that. But one of them, for example, Madison Cawthorn, a North Carolina freshman Republican, did sign on to that letter congratulating Joe Biden, along with some who voted to impeach Joe Biden, like mm. uh, Pete Meyer, who's a Texas, who's a Michigan Republican Freshman member want to join one of the ten Republicans who did uh, just that to impeach this president. So, uh, the former president, I should say, Donald Trump. The question, though, is how long does that call for unity last? There are some who are saying that they thought that President Biden's speech was effective. They think that this is an opportunity to turn the page from the divisive, and toxic politics of the Trump era but they are also going in fully recognizing that there is an ambitious agenda on the table. Republicans have their own views that are different than what Joe Biden is pushing. Some yeah. are going to... F- battle him uh, tooth and nail. So even though they're calling for unity, that is going to be put to the test immediately in the Senate to confirm some of his nominees and also in the House as Nancy Pelosi tries to move a COVID relief package, try to get Republicans on board. Will those same Republicans join Biden on this? That's a different question.
1: And really important. So, Anna, what do you make of that when you look at, OK, it's 17. It's, but what's interesting about that 17, I think Manu points out, right, you've got uh, Cawthorn and Meyer on the same list uh, sending this letter, who, uh, in terms of how they handled the impeachment process and Trump and the riot in Washington, couldn't have been more different.
5: That's absolutely true. And look, uh, the, the bottom line is Donald Trump has left the building. And if you saw today's send-off, what he had billed as a big send-off was a puny little crowd. I have seen bigger crowds at an Apple store than what Donald Trump had there this morning waving him off. The, you know, the king is gone. And I, look, I, I actually think the person that's probably the, the most significant in all of this is Mitch McConnell. And what we heard Mitch McConnell say yesterday, when, without mincing words, he said Donald Trump— had fed his supporters lies that had led to the insurrection and the charging of the Capitol. That is an enormous, that is a 180-degree change from what Mitch McConnell has been like in the last four years. And I think it's, it's Mitch McConnell who can set the tone, particularly in the Senate, and also more of those establishment Republicans who I think are fed up with the stunts of people like a Ted Cruz or like a Josh Hawley. I think, you know, watch what people like John Cornyn, like uh, Thune, like Rob Portman, like <clears throat> Mitt Romney are going to do and uh, and how they're going to be able to work with uh, with Joe Biden, who many of them have known as a colleague for decades.
1: And, and what what do you think it's actually going to mean, Scott? Because obviously, you know, Mitch McConnell, well, uh, Mitch McConnell uh, and Joe Biden know each other well. And, and now Trump is gone. Right. Left the station. Mitch McConnell's made it clear that he believes uh, the, the former president of the United States was the one responsible for the riot. Right. He said it directly. He said it bluntly. Does that translate into real working together and real unity immediately? How much of this is is not just talk?
6: Well, I think I think there's a, a number of things here going on at the same time. I do think Mitch McConnell wants there to be unity uh, among all the players and parties on defending the Constitution. I mean, that's what happened on January 6th. It was a direct assault on the Constitution, not on one party or the other, but it was a direct assault on the way we do it, which is we have elections and there are winners and there are losers. And so... I think he wants to drive unity on that point. Number two, I've heard him say personally that he thinks there are areas where there's going to be agreement uh, and there can be bipartisan agreement as long as I think we all accept that most policy is going to be made between the 40-yard lines. Uh, But there are going to be areas of disagreement, and we'll set those aside for debate and probably debate during the next uh, uh, midterm election. But that shouldn't stop us from working together on the things that we know to be – Necessary yeah. Coronavirus vaccination distribution, whatever the Congress can do, they have to do. Future relief, infrastructure, I've heard, even though I think they're still far apart on how to pay for it. Everybody agrees we need roads, bridges and highways. Yep. If Joe Biden and Mitch McConnell approach it from that perspective, everyone benefits because they could really get some things done over the next couple of years.
1: All right, let's listen in to the Senate floor yeah. right now.
7: the barn
4: be
1: dispensed with. All right, Manu, please walk us through exactly what is happening here. We just heard the applause, but tell us what's happening. The chair lays before the Senate two certificates. Give a moment. This is oh, okay, the first sorry, official. Let's to the vice president swearing the in the certificate of Senate appointment
7: base. to fill the vacancy created by the resignation of former Senator Kamala D. Harris of California. <laughs> Yeah, that was very weird. Okay. (laughs) The certificates the Chair is advised are in the form suggested by the Senate. If there be no objection, the reading of the certificates will be waived, and they will be printed in full in the record. If the Senators-elect and Senator-designate will now present themselves at the desk, the Chair will administer the oath of office.
0: Mr.
8: Ossoff. Mr. Padilla, Mr. Warnock,
7: Please raise your white hand. Okay, Do you solemnly swear that you will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that you will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, that you take this obligation freely without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion, and that you will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office on which you are about to enter So help you, God. I do. Congratulations.
1: All right, so you are watching the Vice President swearing in uh, three new senators that will change the balance of power in the Senate. Uh, You're going to see, of course, Raphael Warnock, first black senator from Georgia. John Ossoff, uh, he is the first Jewish senator from Georgia. Complete turn in Georgia, right, from two Republicans to two Democrats. And, of course, Senator Padilla, uh, replacing Kamala Harris herself. Uh, He will now be a senator from California and also making history. He will be the first Hispanic Uh, Senator from the state of California. Uh, So Bakari Sellers, we are seeing history made again and again and again. And of course, it it all seems to stem from Kamala Harris herself, the vice president. Uh, If she speaks here, I'll cut you off, but go ahead.
9: Yeah, no, I I think that what we saw are an uptick in voters of color throughout the country. And all of these major cities that dictated the trajectory of this race, Atlanta, Georgia, uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Detroit, Michigan, Um, You saw voters of color come to the forefront, Native American voters in Arizona, Hispanic voters throughout the Sun Belt. And that's what you're seeing on your screen right now with the swearing in of Ossoff, who's your first millennial um, United States senator, Raphael Warnock, who is the pastor of of Martin Luther King Jr.'s spiritual home, Ebenezer Baptist Church, Um, and Senator Padilla, the first Hispanic senator from the great state of California. And you're starting to see the Democratic Party... Um, look like the demographical changes that are happening in the country. But let me also say something to kind of tie in, Aaron, to this conversation we were having, a larger conversation with the President. 17 House members, one including Madison, uh, uh, Madison Cawthorn, who actually was a part of inciting uh, the riot that we saw on Capitol Hill. Um, there has been a rise in this country of white supremacy and domestic terror and this is going to have to be one of the challenges that this administration faces head on from the beginning so yes we do have the issue of coronavirus which we have to deal with Uh, we are going to have issues like infrastructure where you can have some bipartisan resolve but you're also going to have to deal with the with the rise of white supremacist domestic terror that we saw storm the capitol on january 6th and so while we're talking about everybody coming together. We have to have accountability before we can get to healing. People want unity, but they don't want any atonement. And so we have to go through the steps necessary to get there. And I anticipate as the Senate changes, as the the look of the White House changes, uh, you will begin to see these changes and us tackling these issues head on as well.
1: Right. And of course, the country that has gone through so much, we have now just seen uh, a black, Latino and Jewish senators all just sworn in. Uh, It is something all happening at once uh, that really can only happen in this country. Uh, Something to celebrate that the world looks to. Of course, you see the vice president there on the floor of the Senate and the now majority leader, uh, Chuck Schumer. Stand by. We're going to talk more about this in 30 seconds.
7: download the free app now.
1: And I want to go to Phil Mattingly at the White House right now. Phil, you are learning new details about what's happening at this moment there.
10: Yeah, that's exactly right. Joe Biden is officially in the Oval Office. Obviously, we saw him walk into the White House. We saw him walk into the West Wing. He is now in the Oval Office, and that is for a couple of reasons. One, he's expected to sign those executive actions we've been discussing sometime within the next 15 or 20 minutes, but also something to keep in mind here. There is a letter in the Resolute desk that was left by President Trump. Now, we don't know what that letter entails. We've got no sense from the White House whether or not we will ever find out what that letter entails. Usually, we end up getting some sense of it later on uh, in the process. But that is something that is in the Resolute Desk that the president, the new president, will be able to open the drawer and look at, as all of his predecessors have done before. Now, President Trump did not attend inauguration. President Trump never conceded the race. President Trump never congratulated uh, President Biden or Vice President Harris. But that note is in there. So that's one element of this. But I think the other thing, as well, Aaron, is what we're going to see here in about 15 or 20 minutes, where the vice president is officially taking the actions that we've been talking about taking the actions on climate change, taking the actions on COVID taking the actions on reversing, reversing many of the the key priorities that his predecessor uh, put into place. And I think that's going to be a key thing to watch out for as he starts to do this, Aaron.
8: Uh, I am seeing the vice president and her entourage approaching here. But, you know, I think if we take this moment just to realize how historic this is, Aaron, and the fact that all across the country, there are little girls who are watching this moment right now with their parents or their grandparents, and they're never going to know a time where there wasn't uh, a woman who was vice president, which is obviously a very different situation uh, than than most people have experienced. this is a this is a first, and this is a new normal for a lot of young people out there as they watch Kamala Harris here. Walking down Pennsylvania Avenue. Right now, she and uh, her family, the second gentleman there on her right, are walking in front of the Treasury building. We're gonna, I I see her sister as well. We're gonna try to see if we can try to grab their attention. Madam Vice
10: President! Madam Vice President! Madam Vice President! Madam Vice President!
8: All right, we're trying to get her to come over here, Erin. So far, no (laughs) look. (laughs) (laughs) She was just asked, I will say, Erin, how does it feel to be the first? And I believe what she said was, you know, I think I think that is what she said. Um, So this is obviously a moment that for her, you know, she's very much soaking in. She's keenly aware, of course, what this means to be the first female vice president and and also being uh, not only that, the first female president, the first female black president also of South asian descent uh this is a very this is a very big deal as we are watching her walk down pennsylvania avenue here in front of the white house for what is a momentous undertaking these next four years for her and president biden aaron
1: it certainly is and as she walks along this route um Jim Shudo I know is sort of you're standing as they're getting ready to walk to you so and we can obviously see the press in the open Bed check here give everyone a sense of there may not be a lot of people there But there are a a lot of press so Jim. What do you see right now from where you're standing?
11: Well, I see the vice president uh, Walking here in front of the White House the first woman the first woman of color with her family Uh, a word about the security here and it is a relief Uh, It is nice to see this. It was not certain that they would, she or the president would leave the motorcade, but they did. Uh, We've been able to see them out here. But it speaks to to the security risk that they were only able to do that for the final 100 or 200 yards or so of their trip into the White House in the old executive office building. What's your first job? Walking to work's her first job. Of course, Erin, we should note her office is going to be is in the old executive office building just here next to the White House. And that's where she'll be walking to work today. And I think that's part of the message today for both her and the president. They are hitting the ground running. They have lots of work to do. Uh, They're going to be executive orders today. Uh, They're going to be ironing out and revealing their plan to handle the pandemic today. This is all happening today, a moment to celebrate. But as she said there, she's getting to work.
1: That's right. And as as she gets there to the White House, uh, there's going to be that slew of executive orders here over the next hour or so. And of course, the Vice President Kamala Harris is actually just being sworn in herself, going to also be swearing in the two new senators from Georgia, uh, as well as her replacement senator from the state of California. So all of that still to come here over the next hour. Uh, These moments, though, as she's walking there, holding the hand of her great niece, these are the moments perhaps that are the most important for her, certainly for the uh, president himself as he walked with his family. Uh, That moment, and it's a very brief moment, as as we all know, right before that work begins to share this uh, with your family. What do you actually see around? As you see them waving, uh, can you describe, Jim, because I think you're closest right now, sort of, who is the waving to? You know, what's, usually we would all be well, there and there would be crowds, you know, but tell me I'll what tell you're seeing you. off camera. Yeah.
11: It's a great point, Aaron. because normally there would be crowds. There'd be members of the public here. You'd have a whole reviewing stand, but the fact is, it's journalists, it's security, it's members of the military. Some government officials, for instance, the D.C. mayor was just down here, but not that public event as it has been in the past. And that's a sad fact of where we are today in this capital, where I'm standing, where the White House is, where the vice president is, is surrounded by 25,000 D.C. National Guardsmen, many uh, circles of security extending out several blocks from here. Uh, That's what was necessary to secure this place and this moment following the events of January 6th. That's a sad reality. On the good side, They were able to leave the motorcade, to walk, to wave, uh, and to get to work today. But we can't forget what was necessary to make this moment possible. And it is all that security that you don't see in this moment around us. Uh, And frankly, most, the vast majority of people are gonna watch this on their television screens, right? Uh, Not in person, sadly. Right,
1: right. And you know, I I, I guess if you take a step back, that's true every time, right? You think about around the country, right? How many people can actually go? Although we all are now forced to share this in the same way, uh, perhaps has its own level of togetherness. It is a good thing, as you point out, that they were actually able to get out of the motorcade, although I know Brianna and Kate were talking about, obviously, they couldn't get out of the car until very close to the end here uh, by the White House. As the vice president walks in those gates with her entourage and her family for the first time as vice president, Bukari Sellers uh, joins me, an early backer of Harris. Uh, Bukari, you know her well. Uh, you, you watch this moment. What does this moment mean for her personally, right, as she is here right now walking with her family?
9: I mean, it means so much. You see her, um, her husband, you see Tony and, and Maya. Uh, you see her, uh, her, her nieces, uh, Mina and Mina's children. Um, you know, she, uh, you saw Doug run over and hug Reggie Hunlin and, and, you know, uh, he, he's uh, well known for being the director of House Party produced the Django, his wife is Kamala's best friend. It's a small family affair, but for her, I think, in particular, her mother is is smiling down today. Um, She and Maya are going to share a very special moment today um, for little black girls around the world. Um, Today means so much, just to watch watch her walk in with the swag, to watch her walk in with the dignity, to watch her walk in and, you know, I'm not a big fan of the shouted question, the reporters ask all the time, Aaron, but to hear yeah. them say Madam Vice President. Uh, it just it just means so much today. She stands on the shoulders of Fannie Lou Hamer. She stands on the shoulders of, of Ella Baker. She stands on the shoulders of Shirley Chisholm. Uh, she stands on the shoulders of Hillary Clinton. And she has shattered so many glass ceilings that today, even if you didn't support her or vote for her. This is history that we're watching. I, let's scratch that. This is her story that we're watching. Um, and she's, she's doing it with so much grace. Uh, today is just an awesome day and I, I, I hope and I know my wife is sitting at home watching with our two girls bawling at the history that's being made uh, with Kamala Debbie Harris.
1: The vice president now at work uh, there in the office building. And as we have said, uh, the, these these very important moments happening, the symbolism happening, and they're going to work. A slew of executive orders. She herself, the vice president, as I said, going to be swearing in three new Democratic senators, including the two Democratic senators from Georgia. All of that coming up here over the next uh, hour. Bakari, one thing that you said there, and you talked about the significance of this Uh, You know, you're talking about for your wife, um, your children, for for little black girls and for people, um, uh, for everyone of any party. And and, you know, one thing I wanted to say to you, I think that that is so poignant and true for young children, boys and girls, no matter the color, they will never remember a world where a woman wasn't (laughs) a vice president. It will never be a thing that needs to be achieved or a thing that needs to happen. And it is so important to make that point, an apolitical point. Um, The symbolism of the moment cannot be underestimated. I see it with my my own daughter, right? It is is a hugely significant thing.
9: It is. And when you think about everything that she represents in this moment, um, I got a good smile out of Howard University's band. Uh, It's not something that's seen on CNN often. Uh, how they came in with the high knees and the drummers and the dancers, uh, the historically black colleges and universities that are on the scene now, from Reverend Raphael Warnock, who went to Morehouse, to Yogananda Pittman, the, the new U.S. Capitol Police Chief, uh, to Stacey Abrams, who whose shoulders they rode in on. You, you begin to see that there is more to this country than we've seen in the other uh, 48 uh, vice presidents of the United States mm. of America. Number 49 is slightly different. She's a member of... Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated, so the Divine Nine and these sororities uh, are now on the forefront and they're organizing and they're Um, extracurricular work, the work they do in communities and community service. And people are now getting to know that. So while we want to talk about the policies that she'll implement uh, later and and which way and what executive orders they're going to do, uh, I think today is a day where we can actually talk about the history Mm -hmm. and everything that this black woman embodies as she walks into the halls of the most powerful place in the world.
1: And, And now she is in those halls. She is there. Getting to work as, of course, uh, we have a parade to come and the big performances tonight. Phil Mattingly is our senior White House correspondent. So uh, now that she has walked in those doors, Phil, uh, with the second gentleman by her side for that first entrance as the vice president, tell me what her first moves in the White House are.
10: You know, I, I think when you talk to administration officials, they kind of echo what President Biden tweeted just a short while ago. There's no time to waste, and certainly, I'm not stepping on what Pakari was talking about in terms of history in this moment and what it means. But I also think when you talk to administration officials, they acknowledge what they're facing as they walk into this moment, this historic moment, on so many different levels, and that is a multiple set of crises, whether it's economic, whether it's public health, whether it's racial divides, all of these issues that they're going to try and address straight out of the gate. And I think. It, it, In about an hour, Aaron, you're going to see President Biden start action, if you will. And I want to be contextual here. This is not massive overhauls of things. This is not uh, going to change the direction of everything in the country. There are limits to what the federal government can do just with the stroke of the president's pen. But the president yeah. has made clear he's going to implement a series of executive actions, some related to COVID. There's going to be a mass mandate for federal buildings, a number of them starting to roll back what his predecessor put into place, whether it's halting funding uh, for the building of the border wall, whether it's re-entering the Paris Climate Accord, several different areas where the administration Administration is both taking action, but also trying to set a tone for what they're going to be doing in the weeks ahead, what their priorities are. You saw the administration this morning release the outline of an extensive overhaul of the immigration system that includes a pathway <clears> to <throat> citizenship for the 11 million undocumented immigrants in the company, or country. You've also already seen them lay out the details of a 1.9 trillion dollar stimulus plan that will take Congress. That can't happen today. Right. But you are going to see in the next hour those executive actions start getting kicked into gear, and while they will have an impact, impact, uh, kind of on a smaller scale, particularly uh, on the federal level, what they will do more than anything else is lay out a tone of what this administration is going to focus on, going to try and accomplish over the weeks and months ahead legislatively, as well as what the president can do himself, Aaron
1: and some of these you know many of these executive orders i think as you point out are not some of them reverse things president trump did right halting the border walls an example uh, reversing the muslim ban is another example right but many of them are are not they are new they are they are new things right uh, that that vice uh, that president biden wants to do uh another thing that you know some of these are are as you say pointing up a tone one of them i believe phil requiring non citizens to be included in the census and in how we count congressional uh, representatives and how we apportion uh, where those districts are. I mean, these are things that would, would be a significant change.
10: Yeah, there's no question about it. And I think look, when you talk to advisors and, and when advisors have been given briefings over the last couple of days, they make clear, they understand the scope of things. They make clear, particularly on the issue of COVID and on the economy. Things are going to get worse before they get better. But I think they understand and this the dovetails a little bit with what Bakari was saying about the history of the moment and recognizing where they are. They recognize that on day one, this is the moment where everybody is paying attention. This is the moment you get to sit you don't you, you get to set the tone. You don't get a redo on this moment. And so I think they're trying to set that tone over the course of the day, but I will also acknowledge when you talk to them, they make very clear, this isn't it, this isn't going to be enough. We need to do so much more. And I think the big questions that will come over the course of the next several days, and and Aaron, it's not just going to be today. Over the course of the next eight or nine days, you are going to see kind of a laser focused day by day message with executive actions on issues like immigration, health care, more on COVID starting tomorrow as well. But they acknowledge more needs to be done and that more is going to require Congress where they have very slim majorities in the House and in the Senate and where they're going to need bipartisanship as the president laid out this morning in his speech.
1: And, you know, David Gregory is with me as well. And, David, you have covered so many administrations. So talk us through these first few moments of the Biden presidency, right? As the president and the vice president have gone in those doors, we're going to, of course, see them again with all of the pomp and circumstance tonight Mm. uh, and these executive orders coming momentarily. But what are these first few moments like?
4: Well, a lot of it is just organization. And because the transition was really undermined by the outgoing administration, this administration has to do more faster and and play catch up. You know, we've talked about that in terms of cabinet officials uh, not being in place. So Congress has to work on that. The Senate has to work on that. So you have acting secretaries who have to get into place. What they have built up is this pandemic response infrastructure. And what we're going to see with a new administration is this focus on a lot more federal coordination with the states. The vaccine rollout being the most important thing. You're going to see, uh, I think this, the the president and the vice president are going to spend some time projecting uh, a new U.S. image around the world. I think that will be important to signal, hey, uh, we're back. There's a sense of normalcy in the administration. Um, And when I say we're back, that idea that the American um, presidency, that America is going to revert back to a position of uh, leadership that Donald Trump veered away from. And again, he got he got uh, plaudits for that and he obviously got criticism. But Mm -hmm. President Biden wants to, to refocus that. But I think everything is about a kind of new orientation. There's a lot of people, especially those who are closest to President Biden, who have been there before. They know how to get rolling right away, including the president uh, and this new vice president. I I was struck watching Kamala Harris. Just what will her role be? She's going to have an important role, just as Vice President Biden did to President Obama. It'd be very interesting to watch that unfold as well.
1: Right. And of course, you know, even when he has given his speeches recently, right, she was sitting in the chair behind him. It has very much been visually, you know, presented as a team, Uh, you know, very explicitly. So, Um, you know, it's interesting just this whole transition. They walk in there and you've talked about how, you know, everything gets cleaned. And, you know, Joe Biden walks in uh, when he goes through those doors. He's going to see the note that Donald Trump uh, said that he Uh, you know, left him. Uh, There's there's that moment that will happen. And then there's just the transition itself. Right. We know the national security team actually came in before right before uh, President Biden became president because you needed to have them actually sitting in place. uh, So there wasn't even a second of gap. Right. So what's that like, just that literal, um, you know, moving chair aspect of this today?
4: Well, the first thing is you you want to find out what particular threats are being monitored, what the national security team has to respond to right away. Are there some things that they didn't know, some things that may have been unattended or things that uh, are cropping up in this immediate transition? The seamlessness of power in the United States is something to behold, because uh, even under these circumstances, um, it has been, uh, a peaceful transition even as uh, we've watched our capital be uh, an armed encampment which is so unfortunate. So you, the national security team wants to tend to that. I think the team wants to also learn what's new with regard uh, to the virus and the virus response that they may not have known. There may have been some some things that they it has come up in the last couple of days that they that they weren't aware of. But you know, the, the new team has Priorities. There's executive action, and we've seen this uh, before with other administrations. They take immediate executive action to right. undo some things the previous administration did. But as you've been talking about, the focus is let's get our secretaries in place, Um, You know, for instance, what about the threats we're talking about? Thank God this has been a peaceful day. But you've got a Justice Department, those who are there existing, part of the bureaucracy, you've got the FBI. They have to monitor ongoing threats and there has to be a lot of coordination uh, about that. That's going to be a priority as well.
1: Right, right. And, of course, and as you said, uh, we anticipate at least 17 executive uh, orders to be signed here over the next hour. Bakari, you know, when, uh, one of the things that I think was so important today that we all saw uh, was the continuity, right? Of course, President Trump wasn't there. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, there was that, that uncertainty you know, first time in 150 years, right? But you had Mike Pence there and you had all the, you know, prior presidents there and their wives and going to Arlington Cemetery and having those moments together. And as you saw, you know, Lady Gaga come out afterwards, you know, she talks to all of them quickly on her way out. You know, it was that feeling of continuity that was so important. Um, Walk me through the moment when uh, former President Barack Obama uh, had that fist bump with Kamala Harris. Tell me about what happened there.
9: Well... Uh, When you First of all, let's just back up to when Barack Obama and Michelle Obama came in. Um, They were wearing a designer, uh, Michelle Obama and and Kamala Harris, both wearing a designer from South Carolina. So shout out uh, to him as well, Sergio Hudson. But uh, just watching that aura, you you begin to build that and that excitement begin to swell. And then the communication between Barack Obama and Kamala Harris, we know that their relationship goes back a long way. Uh, She was one of the first people to campaign for him in Iowa back in 2008. Um, You know how how he thought so highly of her as attorney general and then United States senator in the great state of California. And that fist bump means so much. And and to tie it all together, I mean, if I would have taken you back to 2006 or 2007 and told you that Joe Biden would have been the most transcendent Democratic figure in the history of politics on the issue of race, you would have thought I was crazy. And what do I mean by that? Joe Biden was the 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 vice president to the first black president in the history of this country. Joe Biden also ushers in the first black vice president in the history of this country. And so to be affixed to those both both hyper historical moments, Mm it means so much. But just that moment between Kamala and, and Barack. That's a moment that swells your heart. That's a moment because you got to understand, Aaron. And and when you go into black churches right now, down in the reception area, you got a picture of of Jesus, Martin Luther King. And you got a picture of Barack Obama Um, and Kamala Harris now is in that same type of conversation with mm. with people like Barack Obama who are luminaries, who mean so much to our community, uh, and who will be prayed over and protected so they go out and do the work necessary to, to get our people out the ditch.
1: All right, so Jim Sciutto is outside in front of the White House, or the President and the Vice President have just gone in. Uh, so Jim, tell me what you see there now. Obviously they are uh, beginning, beginning the work uh, right behind you.
11: That's right. Listen, as, as quickly as it started, it ended, the ceremony, that is, right? I mean, the doors are closed at the White House, of the executive, old executive office building where the vice president's offices are, as they get to work. As Kamala Harris said to me just a few minutes ago when I, when I shouted a question to her, what's her job, number one? She said getting to work, and, indeed, that appears what they've done. And a lot of the pomp uh, quickly wrapping up here, the honor guard that had ringed the White House uh, representing all the branches of the military. They shuffled in here a couple hours ago. They have now left back uh-huh. to a, a, more, a less ceremonial security footing here, although you certainly have uh, the security we've seen in the city uh, the last several days ringing the White House. But, you know, the, the ceremony around the White House, we saw it. It was powerful. It was full of history. It was full of the moment. And now you get a sense that they're, well, they're at their desks in there and they're getting to work.
1: Yes. And uh, in just moments, President Biden is going to sign at least a dozen more executive actions. And Vice President Kamala Harris uh, is going to swear in three new Democratic senators who, of course, shifted the balance of power in the Senate. Uh, You're going to see both of those Georgia senators sworn in by the vice president. We will be right back.